Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about the importance of the Lenten season, and we kick off the series entitled Dangerous Prayers. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody. Armchair Preaching here with Pastor John. Welcome back, Pastor John. Hey, it's good to be here. We are still in armchairs. Still in armchairs. Armchair Preaching. That's right. My my desk chair has arms. I don't like... You know, some people have desk chairs that don't have arms. I don't know how you could do that. I, I can't I can't imagine. Yeah, it's just what I just did. I just, I just adjusted and I have to... But some people, they just sit, no arms, and I'm like, what do I do? You know, I love an arm... I love a good armchair. We're in an armchair. In We're in armchairs. Pastor Jack's got uh, two cups of coffee sitting over here and two... Oh, two, and I have like two four mugs over four mug, here. Yeah. There's yeah. Only, only one of them has one coffee one in One of those mornings, I guess. <laughs> It must be a writing day. Yes, it's a writing day. Um, we, we, we have started, um, actually a week ago today, uh, started yeah. uh, Lent here at FPC. Well, not just here at FPC. Every, it's just us. <laughs> throughout the whole world, <laughs> throughout the entire Christian world, uh, the celebration of Lent. We kicked that off with Ash Wednesday service. We mm-hmm. did an Ash Wednesday service uh, yeah. last week. You you preached and had a good crowd. And Yeah, it's nice. Um, singing in the chapel is nothing. There's nothing quite like that. Yeah, you get, a, you get a full get a full chapel and you get that singing. It's just it's amazing. And just the piano. So it's just voices and piano. Voices and piano. It's very actually very appropriate for Lent because it's stripped down. Um, but you talked about it in the Ash Wednesday service. You said you mentioned it in your in the live version of the sermons this week. I did not mention it at all uh, in the message. I think I had intended to, but. With a lot of other things going on with third grade Bibles and things like that. Um, But um, let's talk a little bit about Lent Mm. um, for people that maybe are unfamiliar with it. You grew up Catholic. Yes. So big deal in the Catholic Church. Grew up with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But a lot of people don't. Um, And in in fact, I I grew up kind of in the main line, but not really. Uh, I've been a Presbyterian for... 20 something years mm. but never really we did Lenten type things but never you know we did like a Maundy Thursday service or a Good Friday service but but the my previous church we did not do Ash Wednesday or anything mm. like that so what is the significance of Lent f- for you for those that don't know it's the preparation time leading up to understanding the depth yeah. of the cross but uh, of, for, of Jesus and the sacrifice but what does it really mean has meant for you yeah. in your practices, well, I think I think just to back up one step beyond before that is that is that uh, regardless of whether you come from a tradition that has things like a season called Lent, yeah, uh, almost every church that I know of um, has some acknowledgement of that there are times of year that you celebrate certain parts of the story of Jesus, yeah, and so you have the Easter time of year and almost every. Every tradition I, I can think of, from the so the non-liturgical to the to, to free-flowing, they're going to have some some series of events throughout Holy Week that recognize all that happened with that. Likewise, Christmas, and then there, there'll be this other periods of time from time to time. So this, for me, Lent has always been about the the uh, the seasonal. You know, I'm reminded of um, the writer of Ecclesiastes talking about in Ecclesiastes three, talking about the seasonal nature of life. Yeah, to everything you know, the, there's a turn. Yeah, yeah. So so not there's just, time for not, this, time for that. Not so. just a bird song. 
Not, right, not, not just, the, the not, birds, not, not America's just a first super band. That's right. <laughs> not just a song. That's right. Turn, turn, turn. Uh, and so the, you know, we, we come to a season like Lent, and we, yeah. for those of us who who acknowledge it and 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 value it, we realize that it's a great opportunity for us. And this is how I think about it too. It's a great opportunity for me to go inward. Yeah, it's really more of a it's an it's it's an inward journey of self reflection, prayer. Um, uh, awareness, the the, the self examine is the is the, the ancient practice is called. Just how am I doing as a human being? How yeah. am I doing as a child of God? And and where am I getting it right? And where am I missing the mark? And where 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 are my sins tripping tripping me up? Mm-hmm. That we can just be more self reflective about about that because if if Easter is going to be about anything, it's going to be about coming to terms with the problems of the human race yeah. and with the sin of sins of the world. And if Jesus indeed is going to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and that's going to be sort of enacted and, and, and made a reality through his, all, through his passion, through all the things that happened on, on Holy Week and up, to his resur- up to his resurrection, then what, what a great opportunity we have and what yeah. a great opportunity I have just to be a lot more introspective. Like, okay, what is it about me in particular that I, that I still am in need of hearing that message in my life? Where have I still not gotten it right? So that's for, for me, and I think that Lent, just in general, I've had lots of different you know, practices through the years of just, and I love your word a, little, a few minutes ago, it's, it, it's stripped down. Yeah. You know, this is not the time to put out, I mean, we will this Sunday put out the big dog and pony show. For because, a different reason. But for an entirely different reason, yeah. because we're celebrating the, the ministry of uh, Dan Gordon, who's retiring, and and, and we want to really honor, honor that retirement. So... That's just an unusual circumstance in the middle of Lent. Yeah. Ordinarily, though, it's a, it's a fairly you know stripped down. That's a good word. Yeah. A stripped down approach. So, so in your twenty years though of of being a part of a more liturgical uh, tradition and yeah. having seasonal uh, practices like Lent and yeah. the ordinary time and um, Pentecost and days after Pentecost and all that, what, how have you approached Lent and what well, have you thought about it? You know, it's interesting. I, you were, as you were talking, I was thinking through kind of the the whole liturgical calendar, uh, and, and it seems, just my observation that that there's been a kind of a re engagement across even even non denominational mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know non um, high, I hate using high church low church. I don't really like that term, but but you know non liturgical. I think your your word's probably better. Even amongst those churches, there is an increased awareness of the liturgical calendar yeah. overall. I mean, I, I listen to you probably do as well different podcasts from different preachers who come from you know maybe a Baptist tradition or non denominational tradition. And over the last few years, I've seen I've heard them talk about things like Lent and mm. and Advent and and. Pentecost and yeah. more directly and using the liturgical calendar formationally, which in the main line has been kind of a thing all along. But it seems like 25 or even 30 years ago, there was a um, almost a minimizing of that kind of language. Yeah. Um, I think the seeker, the seeker, seeker friendly, friendly movement, movement yeah. was to try to, to try to, to, um, to flatten the, 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 
what was perceived as obstacles or barriers to entry for people outside the church because the things like even the word liturgical is a very yeah what is know, that you yeah. don't get more churchy than than yeah. that and when we start talking about lent and you you joked about it in your ash wednesday message you know that's like for some people the thing that you you pick off your suit you know <laughs> before it, you go to church it, yeah spelled differently <laughs> but you know it's it's it, but it seems like even amongst non and that to me has been a, a real blessing yeah I, I did a. Um, I was in a class a couple years ago, um, and it was all it was all about the the idea of reengaging more the enchanted mindset of the church, mm. you know. And the liturgical calendar is part of that, you know. Yeah. We say that there are certain times and seasons that 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 we set apart, and it's not just Christmas Day and Easter Day, but we set apart seasons to focus on specific like you said specific aspects of the life of Jesus but also what those the the those aspects of his life mean and for me I look at lent and I I actually take it as a and I I think the liturgical seasons I, I do this a little bit in general I think I look at it a little more globally than personally because I think about the the fact and we joked at the beginning that it's not just lent at FPC Lakeland it's lent everywhere that mm. that that churches across the world are in this mm. observational period of time and I think about the specifically lent as this reflection of yes my yeah. personal sin but also the sin and the brokenness globally mm. that we that that Jesus did 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 battle with that he sacrificed against and that we are called to engage with as well mm-hmm. you know and i think so there there is that personal side and their personal practices is it the are, solidarity yeah i think there's I, a, there's a solidarity piece to me that's yeah. really um it's like it's like when we do world communion sunday you yeah. know or or, or 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 most you know even now that we're doing first sunday of the month communions like like many 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 churches there's a sense of Yes, it's 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 a great gift to me that Jesus died on the cross, but it's it's also it is a gift to the entire world. And that I'm a part of that is it's both humbling and elevating at the yeah. same time. And I, I I that to me is really a big value. I, I, I think that the uh the the fact that, and I I've seen the same thing that you were talking about that people who are coming out of these non-liturgical um you know, uh, uh, non-denominational backgrounds. Uh, I think the fact that that the the rest of the world, so to speak, has found this as a as a as a way of of um, tapping into the, the the historical roots of, of the mm-hmm. church and really feeling like they're more in touch with the the um, the, the, the church as a, as it has been throughout you know the two thousand years of existence. It really is is something special to me. I I, am, I also heard about that, you know there's one big name I can't remember who it is right now it was some, one of the big name uh, evangelical mm-hmm. you know um, mega church kind of pa- pastors and they were in a conversation and it wasn't the high bulls and saddle uh, saddleback one I, I don't remember who it was but but I remember them saying that you know where do they watch where they watch where people go on vacation go mm-hmm. to church on vacation. Mm-hmm. And that person who is not in a liturgical church at all went to the highest 
Litur- liturgical mm-hmm. church you could find like an Episcopalian church with, with mm-hmm. kneeling and standing and mm-hmm. sitting and all, all the five books that you gotta like keep yeah, track you of keep track of. so and and why was that you yeah. know they were looking for something that, that kind of put them away because you know the, the non, non-denominational do a great job of kind of connecting them right where they are with cult- culture and and then, then taking them to, to the mm-hmm. gospel they were looking for something that didn't do so much of that we, here's where we are now just kind of immediately went back into um, distant times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in, of of the past, going back into the eras when the Apostles' Creed was written, back into the early church era, and it's trying to find some of those practices, and they found it a lot more meaningful. And, that, mm-hmm. and I think that I would hope that people come into Lent and would find those same things in the Vine service and mm-hmm. in the classic service, in, even in our church. Yeah, well, and it's interesting when we have the special services like Ash Wednesday or or Monday Thursday in, in a couple weeks or Good Friday. How many folks from other churches join us in those times. Yeah. You know, we saw even this past, you know, last week, uh, you know, people coming that that don't that aren't part. They, you know, they're probably part of other church traditions, but they're looking for that sense of reverence, reverence, and, and mystery. I think. And, yeah, mystery reflection. I mean, I think that's that's something that is we cannot. You know, we, we, we live in this kind of age where everybody tries to have the answers to everything, right? And 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 even even amongst faith even amongst faith based Christians, you know, we try to explain every every detail in the Bible and if we don't, you know, understand it it must be wrong and you know and to me it's the the faith part of it is the mystery part, you know, and that's where it's just, there's an exciting kind of fear about that almost you know there's this this thing that we're in we are engaged with the person of of God the person of Jesus Christ and that engagement is comforting but also incredibly mysterious and and that makes it somewhat you know kind of scary yeah but it's 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 scary like you're getting on a roller coaster like you don't know you know you, don't, you know you're safe yeah, yeah. but you don't know what it's going to feel yeah. like you know and and I think that's uh, that's why Lent if people if people use the tool of the season, mm-hmm. of the calendar, they use the tool that's there. They can tap into something really profound. Mm-hmm. You know, I had had a, a, an email that came through uh, the week before Ash Wednesday from one of our affiliate members who who doesn't live locally, um, who who lives in 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 a place where her her options for going to to to, to churches are very limited. No Presbyterian churches around where she physically lives. She she engages us online, um, but then has a home kind of base that is does not practice any of these things. Mm. And she, so she was and she was very curious about it. So it was great to be able to explain some of this to her and and say this is. And, and I want to pause for a second. It's not to be legalistic, right? I mean, there the the folks on the other side. Well, they look at like Colossians and Paul says. You know, don't worry. You know, don't worry about the special seasons and the new moon festivals. But he's talking about a very specific kind of context. And this is not to be Pharisaical about mm. the liturgical calendar, but it is to, to highlight this. This is a this is an instrument to communicate something profound about who Jesus is yeah. to us and to the world, and not to be taken legalistically, but to be um, utilized for our own depth of faith. And and uh, that's why we started this series. You know, at Lent, yeah. dangerous prayers, because there is this challenge to us when we engage God. There's a challenge to us personally, and there's a challenge to 
our engagement globally. And I think it was interesting that we it ref, that our our individual takes on Lent in general are somewhat reflected in the messages the messages this yeah. week, uh, because we both preached out of First Kings eighteen mm-hmm. um, and John seventeen the two the, the high priestly the beginning of the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John seventeen and then Elijah's um, Elijah's takedown of the Baal prophets in in First Kings eighteen. Um, what do you think of the, the the when you look at the First Kings eighteen? You got into a lot more of the historic detail, the Mount Carmel, the scene, which I love yeah. that, and and uh, but what do you think about that passage when you have approached that? I'm sure you've preached on, some, yeah, on yeah. that before because it's a very well, like you said dramatic. It's very dramatic. Yeah, it's the, the first most dramatic. I, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Well, I think I do think about. It. I think it's I think it's very dramatic. But I think what stood out to me this time was just kind of rereading through the text, and I tried to bring that out in the message. Is that what was the point of the drama? Yeah. You know what was the point of the, the whole point of the drama was was that the people would that the, 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 whoever was there and yeah. we know that at least eight hundred fifty one people that were named that were there whoever was there that they would know yeah. that they would know who God is and so that just that just kept nagging at me it's like golly that that behind all the I mean first off you you, I, you had to deal with the fact that they were. I mean, they were wiped out down the, the Kishon, yeah. Kishon Valley. There's 450 people lost their lives that yeah. day. So I was like, okay, we need to acknowledge that and then just try to get before that. Because yeah. it's, it's in the text. And um, But the point was that, that God would be, would be known. Yeah. yeah. And I just couldn't – the more I thought about that, the more I said, that has, we, we've got to bring that out. Well, and one of the you talk about the the slaughtering at the, at the bay, and I kind of made a passing comment about that because I didn't want to sit too long in that, but it is there, and you have to kind of think about it. But understanding too, it's very much like it's like in the book of Exodus. It's one of the connection points in my head that didn't doesn't didn't make it into the page, but because it was already a thirty five minute sermon. But um, is that you know we look at like the book of Exodus and the 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 Passover evening, right? The very first where mm-hmm. God, where the angel of death kills all the firstborn yeah. sons. Yeah, we talked about that recently. Yeah, we talked about that recently. And and some people will look at that and then kind of pull that out and say, oh, see how God is such a wrathful, vengeful God. And we're like, well, hold up, pause for a second. Go back to Exodus 1 and 2. And what are the what is Pharaoh doing at that point? You know, what is he slaughtering the, the infants of the Hebrew people, and it's only by the the cunning of the 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 doulas of the the Hebrew women that that they any survive that Moses yeah. survives, and so the same thing is true in First Kings. You know, there Jezebel and Ahab are going after the prophets of God, and and you you read earlier in. First Kings seventeen, that you know, in eighteen, that Obadiah has been hiding, trying to hide some of them, and but they're still hiding out, and and Elijah's had to run for his life and go up to the Sidonian era, era mm. and area, and and so this is not, this is a, this is a battle. I mean, and I loved how you pointed. I didn't again didn't get to this, but this is like. This is the Jezreel Valley. Uh, we anticipate the the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place. You know, so, so we're yeah. talking about a, pl- a location of war, so fairly epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so God is is fighting for His people. Yeah, and and that's the that's the 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 the, the point that that God is to be known in the middle of this battle. I thought it was interesting listening to yours. Uh, you talk about. Um, the dangerous part of this 
is um, that that you, you were you, yours was tapping into the fact that it's dangerous in the sense that we are tapping into the power of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I sort of t- dealt with it as the the effect of the power of yeah. God, but you focused on the power of God, and I, yeah. I, I really I really like that, and I re- really uh, was glad to, glad to hear that. But I would wonder if you could just kind of talk a little bit about that. What what was it about? Because you know we we both knew that weeks ago, when months ago, when we when we said we want to do dangerous prayers here, yeah. we knew that there was, we were going to talk about dangerous prayers as a topic. We know that prayer is is dangerous, but you you wanted to focus on the fact that in these the, the danger is that it's like you know we're tapping into something that is powerful beyond our imagination. And and I think yeah, well, so the two 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 things for that. Well, and and I think it's again, our sermons were really a. a, a um, Kind of a, a object lesson in in focus. You know what what side of that equation are you going to focus on? When we tap into the power of God, things change, including ourselves. And that there in that, I talked about the at the beginning the 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 upending of the evil status quo, right? You know the the Tim Keller quote from from his book on prayer, prayer. and that is that is a that is when, when we tap into the the power of God in prayer, that's what's, you know, that is what's changing. And that status quo changes in us, changes in our families, it changes in our homes, it changes, and it, and it, and it causes us to have to, uh, you know, react to that change. So, but for me, there, there's, I think there's a built-in sort of, you know, skepticism, I think that I always kind of try to address when, when talking about, you know, I, I was raised in church, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, pastor's kid my my wife is a pastor's kid my brother's a pastor my sister's a, or my brother-in-law's a pastor my sister-in-law's a pastor we've been steeped in this and there's a there's there's and, and when you look at the congregation you look at the congregation in vine especially there there is a i always try to address the the skeptical cynic in the room even amongst christians yeah because Christians can get so used to hearing the message about prayer that we forget how how crazy it is that the God of the universe invites us into conversation with mm-hmm. him. And I th- I believe that many people have that yeah right mentality when it comes to the topic of prayer. Like yeah. they know they sh- they think of prayer as something they should do. Yeah. Not something that they're invited sure, into. Sure. And so I want to say like hey you, we complain. We, and I'm not talking about you and me personally, but I'm talking about we globally. We complain about the state of the world a lot. You know, people complain about the state of the world. They complain about the state of their marriage. They complain about the state of their jobs. They complain about the state of their health. And even amongst believers, you've mentioned this in sermons recently that depression and despair, even amongst Christians, is at all time high. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you when you really talk to people and say, well. You know, have you prayed about it? They're like, yeah, well, no, no, like almost as though that's an afterthought. Like, but yeah, do we not get what God has told, <laughs> what God has done in this? And and so that to me was a real yeah. point there, and to show that in Elijah's case, it's not super complex, but that the point of the prayer is God's historic actions in history, and to your point that God would be made known that even amongst those answer prayers, it's not just for our own comfort. It's not just for our own benefit. It is for, it does benefit us. It does help us, but it's so that we will point back to the glory and the fame of God. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the big picture for me, you know? 
And, and, and so as you were looking at it, you looked at it from a, from the effect side angle, kind of emphasizing that a lot more. Yeah, but I, I do think that to kind of touch on what you were saying is because I, I agree. I think that the people have the, um, the a, a very low view of prayer. And you mentioned it a couple of weeks in your sermon uh, yeah. a, a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Come Together series in prayer. Yeah. And I, so I was kind of – I wanted to jump off of that point mm-hmm. and kind of dig dig a little bit into that. Um the 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 idea your story about the uh, the police officer showing up with the boys yeah. in the in the park there the uh, that the mental picture that you were the parable that you were painting there yeah. was to give a mental picture of what you can expect when you talk to to God you talk to authority that can be access that you have access to yeah. and that authority has practical real powerful influence on circumstances of of the time I think that that. That's something that we battle, yeah, um, uh, in our culture. Because I, I, I think what people would, and this is one of the fears you have when you have a passage like the the um, the First Kings passage, is that what people, the fear you have is that people expect God to rain down fire from yeah. heaven up and do the thing that they want God to do in a powerful and in, in a yeah. dramatic way. I was even trying to illustrate that a little bit. My my message is like, can you imagine if this were yeah. to happen? I played it up a little bit more in the live version uh, on that little section as well. But, you know, we, we want that to happen. And, and absent something like that happen, we then conclude that maybe, maybe God didn't that, act. God didn't act or yeah. God isn't going to act or God's not capable of acting. And I think that, you know, if anything is a if there's ever going to be one, and I'm sure there's a number of challenge that you and I have, and 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 any preacher is going to have in, in a message about prayer, is just to remind people again and again and again, we don't blithely invoke a power that no. we that we um, know nothing about, or, or or that there is no power that we yeah. are we are we have the privilege of going before the ultimate power. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's why the uh, the John seventeen. Balance it that balance. because Jesus asks for God to be glorified and to glorify Him, and that the people would know Him. Mm-hmm. But the answer to that prayer is through the cross, right? It is not through God raining down fire and defeating all the enemies of, of Jesus in that historic moment. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a high victory no. as the world would see it. It, it is a devastation exactly uh, as the world would see it. And sometimes, you know, one of the things that and I, and I tried to emphasize this in the message a little bit, and I think you know your 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 leaning uh, your uh, focus was was probably more explicit in this is that sometimes God shows up in the the darkest valley, and that's where we stay, and and God showing up is just to give us the peace in the middle of that, and it will it'll be a little bit more explicit in this Sunday's message, which is the kind of the you know what happens when you ask god to show up he shows up but nothing nothing situationally changes yeah. and how do you pray in that moment yeah. you know and that's kind of where we're headed into this this sunday's message so i was thinking about both sides of that pretty heavily and thinking well this is the great thing about a series right is that you it and this is where you get people to say hey you you really need to be consistent in the series because you're not going to get the full picture of it without without listening to the whole message. So, were there things in this, there, there, uh, again, tons and tons that you could have go- gone to, and I loved how you, you brought out the Psalm 46 kind of idea, um, the be still and know that I am God, yeah. and that I'll be, you know, the, the exaltation amongst the nations. Were there other things in this these passages that you 
given more time or a Bible study situation would have said, yeah, I'd really love to dig into this detail more or that detail more. Well, two things. One we've already talked about, and that is that you know how do you how do you process passages that talk about the the, assass- the assassination of four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal yeah. who who got it got it wrong spiritually and therefore they are dead. Yeah. So that that would have been a great you know great thing to and I think the answer would have been to go where you were describing earlier yeah. when they say back way up take a look at what was happening culturally and realize that this the the this was a almost an act of survival yeah um i mean uh and it was a display of god's power but it's all it was a very threatening environment in which the god's people yeah. found themselves so so that would have been one of them and i think the other one would have been the the you know when jesus prayed that uh, be, that, that the father would be glorified mm mm-hmm. That would have been, yeah. That was fodder for for lots, a whole lot more, lots more. Yeah. You know, again, obviously, I, I took the that they, you know, this is this is the salvation itself is that they know you. They know, and that's you. where the emphasis. That's where the emphasis was. But boy, lots those, of stuff the, you could. Yeah. How yeah. about you? Um, yeah, well, you, like we mentioned before, the the and you just mentioned the the sacri- the, the slaughtering at at the Kishon, but then where. And to your point earlier, what I what I would have loved to do, and I'm going to probably use this as uh, not to spoil anything for people, but the 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 beginning of this week's message will kind of talk about what happens next for for Elijah as kind of a way to get into the the Thy will be done sort of thing because you would think you know First Kings 18 real high point Elijah wins there's this victory the people know that he's God First Kings 19 Elijah is in a deep depression <laughs> because Jezebel is still there Ahab is still there great point they're ticked off and Elijah uh, like has to run again you know he's been running he he has this this high high water m- moment and then he has to run again and he has to to pray for God to show up. While he's being threatened again and 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 wants to die, I mean, uh, some psychologists, Christian psychologists, have looked at First Kings nineteen and said, "Well, d- the guy is clinically depressed." Yeah, I mean, he's got major and and it's after this m- big high water mark in his ministry, and so it, I would have put that in this past week's message because I would have said that's really where it goes, you know, into the 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 connection with Jesus because there God does show up but but it doesn't mean that all is perfectly well from that point on. Yeah. What happens next is not all sunshine all sunshine. What yeah. happens next is is yeah, we said it earlier, is de- is devastating. Yeah. Uh from the from the perspective of those who were living through it. Yes. Yes. The disciples in particular. Yes. Absolutely. But it it, it was you know, the, then that story keeps going and, and, and the glory of God and, and is is revealed and the the mission is is carried out but well, that would have been fun that would have, that would have been fun to, to yeah well, that'll be I, fun to pick up on again this week too it, yeah and it'll be a, a but not nearly to the level that i <laughs> you know you you know yeah i'm like okay i can maybe pick it up a little bit the week the next week but the the this that is a that is a great you know first kings 19 is a great chapter to really kind of say well where do we go when we're in that deep, dark, depressive state, and mm-hmm. how does God show up in those moments? But we're not getting into that super in detail. Um, but we will. I'll probably yeah, touch on yeah. it a little bit this this week. And your points at the end of the message, you know, very straightforward in terms of the change that God uh, calls us to in the middle of those prayers. And that's yeah. that's really where you're. you're yeah, your it was personal. It was it was again the personal. 
personal contextualizing of the of the passage there is that you can't and and you know this is one of the things you you have it in the back of your mind the whole thing about once you take in the something of the glory of God you will be humbled by that this totally is the changed. Isaiah 6 moment mm-hmm. where he goes the vision before heaven and he's woe like what me. am I doing here yeah. woe, is, woe is me this is also Calvin in yeah. the beginning of his institute said when we when we take in the fullness of God only after having seen God then we come down from that and look around the world and we see things as they are which is we humbling have, there's, a, there's a humbling experience yeah, so. to that which is what you had at the first point and then that humiliation or humiliation leads to repentance. a repentant lifestyle yeah. and then a passion f- because then at that repentance you this is what lent does lent gets us into this place of humility and repentance right. so that when we get to easter we understand the the yeah. the glories of the resurrection and then then calls us to share it, that it, with it, other this people. is i'll say it early this this is only the First week of Lent, well, I guess we're in the yeah. yeah first week of Lent. So I'll say it early is that uh, it is a it is one of the most uh, sad the saddest things I can think of is to go from the glory of the victorious entry, triumphal entry into Jerusalem to the to the resurrection and completely miss yeah absolutely. the middle of the week yeah and so this uh, this idea of that inward journey that mm-hmm. that you know that, that when we see ourselves compared to a holy God we understand we are humbled by that we understand how far we off we are and how much we need God and then we we're inspired to repent and yes it leads to to praise but the same thing happens with the this this Lenten journey is that we understand our own culpability and our own sin nature and that's going to take us to the point where that's that's what the cross was for yeah. that's what the death was for that's what the burial for that's what the resurrection for so you show up on Easter morning as you just show up differently I guess is the point you yeah. show up differently on Easter on Easter Sunday when you when you have gone through intentionally and chosen to gone go through this journey you show up differently on sun, on that Easter Sunday yeah the the I, I I read uh, one. You know, it's funny the lines that you remember that just stick with you. And uh, it was one of the study Bibles I have, and I I I can't remember even what passage it was referencing, but it's one that always gets me at this time of year. Lent, you know, you don't understand how wonderful water is until you've been truly thirsty. There it is. You know, like we take it for granted that we have access to water and all the time, but, but, but for someone who has just totally parched and totally, uh, you know, all right, uh, dehydrated. Here's the here's the here's the challenge for you for you and me this year. Work yeah. that work that into Easter Sunday. Well, I, I have I, I've actually <laughs> quoted that before, but I've quoted it many times, and uh, because to me it just and, and you and and I've been in those moments where I've been like totally dehydrated, totally spent, totally and and the 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 pure you know water that you get is just unbelievable. It's the same thing. The Lenten journey reminds us of how totally destitute and, and, you know, without, without hope we are apart from, that's why Jesus says I'm the living water. Right. So I I think we, when we say that we, every time we say that, and we've already said it here, but just to hear it again, we, we, those who won't say that miss something miss something essential yeah. but those who are uncomfortable saying that or those who only say that mm-hmm. are they also miss the, the essential part of it mm-hmm. so you know, I know there are people and I've heard them through the years have said that it's so it's depressing, so depressing. To, to, to hear that we are totally depraved that we have we have sin we are sinful through and through 
It I is. Said, I said, I mean, I guess, I guess it is if that's all if you that's say. You, if that's what you say, yes. Yeah, if yeah. you just say that, then yeah. yes, you are right. It, it is It is depressing. But that's not the end of the story. It's nowhere near the end of the story. That's the only the beginning. That's the introduction to the story. Yeah. We are totally depraved. But look at this. Yeah. Look what happened. Yeah. In the midst of all, all all the depravity, the goodness of God was was shown to us. The forgiveness of God was given to us. The cross of Christ was 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 mm. was given to to us. That all those things, all that part of that depravity, was taken to the to the cross and set us free. I said I did say this in, in the live services. Said this is why nobody. This is why Presbyterians sing Amazing Grace like nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, this is why we sing this so enthusiastically because we really get that. And, yeah. and when, we're, when we're at our best, we've heard the message of the depravity, we've heard the mess, and then we've heard the message of the grace yeah. and what it means, and we get it. Yeah. And once we get that, I mean, you just, it's, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, it reminds me um, when I was, this, this image of, you know, most Protestants don't wear crucifixes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to focus on Jesus still on the cross. They, yeah. want, they don't want to focus Jesus still on the cross. So most Protestants wear, if they wear a cross, they wear, you know, simple empty cross. And and that's great. It's fine. Um, but there's something profound about seeing the crucifix, right? So in military chapels, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a military chapel and, and yeah, seen... All, all my growing up years, yeah. yeah. So you, you know... Um, they just flip the flip the images around. That's right. Yeah. So some 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 churches, uh, some chapels have one cross, two sides. They'll, they'll it'll be on a like a rotation, mm-hmm. and one side's a crucifix, and the other side's the empty cross. In the church that we were in in Italy, they had uh, they had two crosses. One one was the crucifix, and then they they slide it go behind these. You know, there's curtains on the left and the right of it. One oh. would slide behind the other, and one would slide. And I thought, man, what what a that's the that's really the image. It's it's both and. You know, there is a time, full circle, like you said, yeah. Ecclesiastes three. There's a time to die, and there was a time that Jesus died, and and there's and there's a time for us to 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 sit with that thought. Yeah, that, and, that, and not that, just. Not just blow past it and get quickly to the empty tomb. Yeah, yeah, but then get to the empty tomb. Yeah. Right? It's both. Yeah, but you got to get to the empty tomb. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's that's why it's not. It's meant to be um, reflective, and and your in the words that you use, it's meant to be humbling and re- and lead us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain level of depression that is is um, that that's something that's that. We need to wrestle with, but at the same time, move to the to yeah. the glory and the passion of the of the, of the empty tomb and yeah. the, the glory of the resurrection. Um, that's why this season is is tough for some people, but important. But it's very, very important to. to very, it's very, it's very human. Yeah, very human. It captures the human condition yeah. and 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 gives us the God's perspective in the middle of that human condition. That's yeah. it. It's it's. Uh, it's 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 great. Well, my, yeah. it's my favorite time of year. Yeah. Well, this this week coming up, we continue the series "Dangerous Prayers." We are looking at a, at uh, you know the the a prayer of Jesus um, and and comparing that to a prayer of Ab- the prayer of Abraham is kind of interesting because it's in, in Genesis fifteen because it doesn't read like a prayer, but it is. It's a prayer. Jesus, God is talking to Abraham. Abraham's talking to God, mm-hmm. uh, but really focused on uh, Jesus in in the garden where yeah. he, where he himself is wrestling with this whole idea of the cross. And uh, so that'll be uh, a good way to kind of 
move from where we were at this this week and and, and continue through the Lenten journey. John, you'll be in the classic service as well. I'll yep. be in Vine. And uh, we encourage anybody, if you've missed any one of the sermons in our previous series, come together. If you missed this past week's uh, kickoff to the Dangerous Prayer series, head to our website, fpclakeland.org, and check us uh, check out the uh, worship page and the sermon archive tab there. You can watch complete services, or you can search for FPC Lakeland on YouTube and watch complete services there as well. And if you've missed any one of the episodes of Armchair Preaching, feel free to check out uh, check out Armchair Preaching on Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, subscribe so you can be notified when a new episode drops. And you can like it, leave us a comment, review, uh, share it with your friends. I think it's a benefit. I, I love getting to talk to people in the week where they've they've listened to both messages, they've listened to the podcast, and and then they still have further questions. I'm like, you guys, write this down, send it in, so we can talk about it on air. But yeah. uh, but we really do appreciate that. So, uh, John? Maybe, maybe that'll be a future episode, just question, questions people have. Just future episode. Phone in your questions, right. write in your questions. We'll, right. That'll be our, that'll be the our podcast. Yeah. John, thanks so much for it's hanging out with here. us. And see you, everybody. We'll see everybody next time. <laughs>